Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. This is the final message in a series entitled Catching Fire. The clip you just saw was from the Hunger Games, two young people on the rooftop overlooking the world and anticipating what the world has for them in the following day. You can tell that the, the young man, the young woman both understand that all of the powers that be in the world are aligned in such a way as to change them and in changing them to destroy them. In the Hunger Games, as the story goes, uh, the uprising begins, the, the fire is set because one individual, Katniss, a young woman, one individual refuses to play by the world's rules. And she discovers what we all eventually discover. If you defy the world, the world always fights back. The world always fights back. That's why Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Paul says... Uh, put on the, the, the strong might of the Lord so that we might be able to fight the mighty powers in this dark world. You understand? The world always fights back. And what the world wants to do is to change us, as the young man says. I don't want them to change me. We, as God's people, cannot let the world change us. We must change the world. And the only way to change the world is to set it on fire. Luke chapter 12 verse 49 red letters these are words of Jesus listen to what Jesus says I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me, two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I have come to set fire to the world. Scholars struggle with this passage. I struggle with this passage. It's considered one of the hard sayings of Jesus. It's a hard saying because it sounds like something Jesus wouldn't say. To say that I come to set fire on the world is one thing, but to say I wish it were already burning, it's really hard to somehow fathom what Jesus means by that. Honestly, it's, it's worse than it sounds in the New Living Translation. What Jesus literally says there is, I have come to hurl. The, the word there is a very strong verb for to throw, to cast like a ball. So you, you just got to picture Jesus in all of his glorious might hurling fire to the world, to destroy, to incinerate the world. I, I have come to hurl fire into the earth is what he says. I don't know exactly why that makes us so uncomfortable unless it's simply that we're not used to thinking about a Jesus of, of that kind of glory and might. We're much more comfortable with the, with the idea of Jesus walking around in a white robe with, with a little lamb around his shoulders. You know, we like that picture of Jesus so much better than the picture of a Jesus who would hurl fire into the earth. 
But, but very truly, this is what Jesus says that he has come to do. This is his purpose. This is what he's doing, whether you're comfortable with it or not. Jesus has come to hurl fire into the earth, to, to, to set fire to the world. The, the amazing thing is, from everything else that, that we learn in Scripture, we're supposed to be a part of that. That Jesus hurls fire into the earth, and, and that fire burns first in our lives as his people. And that fire burns and consumes and, and blazes within the church, and then that fire spreads to the whole world. This is what Jesus says, I have come to set fire, to hurl fire into the earth. And that fire begins in us, that fire begins in the church, and is is. is Expected to spread throughout the whole earth, and it will. Do you understand? It will. That this isn't any sort of questionable endeavor. Jesus is going to do what Jesus has come to do. He is going to set fire to the earth. He's going to. You understand that? Nothing will stop him. Nothing will thwart his plan. Nothing will cause him to abandon his purpose. He will do what he will do. Now, he wants to do that with us, through us, for us, you understand? He wants us to be a part of that, but he doesn't need us. He does not need us. He'll do this with or without you. But you really need to be a part of this. You understand? This fire comes whether you invite it or not. This is what Jesus is going to do. So before we talk about going out and setting the world on fire as a church, let's make one thing absolutely clear. We're not setting fire to anything ever. That's not within our power. We can't do that. We don't do that. We don't set the fire. It's Jesus' fire. He says he has come to set the fire. He sets the fire. The only thing we can possibly do is wait for it, pray for it, and let it burn in us. But we cannot set fire to the world. That's not our place. It's not our place. But if we will invite Jesus and if we will allow him to do his work in our lives, we will. Our lives will burn and the church will set ablaze and we will spread that fire throughout the world. That is his plan. That is his plan. But, but let's just make one thing absolutely clear about you and me. We will never, ever be a part of this. We will never set the world on fire until we make a forceful personal commitment to Jesus. Forceful. Again, people say this is one of Jesus' hard sayings because it just sounds so forceful. It just sounds so violent. He's talking about explosive power. He's talking about total destruction, total salvation. He is using the strongest language possible, and most of us prefer that nothing ever be the strongest possible. I mean, we like church, and we love Jesus and all, but we really don't want him to use the kind of language or display the kind of power that would make us uncomfortable. And that's devastating for us. That, that, that's devastating for us. Jesus says the kingdom of God is advancing by force. That's, that's what he says in the New Testament. The kingdom of God advances by force, and, and, and violent men take hold of it. I don't see a lot of violent men. I don't see a lot of forceful people in the kingdom of God these days. I don't see a lot of individuals with a forceful personal commitment to Christ. And this is what I'm saying. You will never set the world on fire until you have made a forceful, 
forceful, personal commitment to Christ. I, I know what you think. You want Jesus to set the world on fire. You were just kind of hoping to watch it burn from a safe distance in your pajama pants. And Jesus will have none of that with you. There's a very, very depressed man, literally homebound and dependent on medication for, for depression. Pastor always reached out to him, tried to visit, tried to bring him out, and there was no way to bring this man out. He was hopelessly depressed. So one day the man called the pastor and said, Pastor, I need to ride into town. And for them, town was a distance. I need to ride into town and back. Could you, could you possibly take me to town tomorrow? The pastor said, well, I, I can. I'm going to town, but I have several stops to make. So if you're willing to sort of ride along with me and make the stops that I make, then uh, sure, you can go to town and back with me tomorrow. And the man said, fine. So we put up the next day, pastor put up, the man came out. I mean, I mean you've you got to understand, this man was just the darkest, heaviest, uh, most depressed man ever. He walked out into the car, sat down in the passenger seat, never said a word. Pastor tried to make some small talk. The man just mumbled, looked ahead, just rode in the car. But remember, the pastor had stops to make. So first stop was the hospital. Pastor said, I've got several visits to make. You can wait in the car. You can come in. man kind of... So he got out of the car, walked in the hospital with the pastor, and they started making rounds. The pastor and Mr. Sunshine now just making rounds at, at the hospital. Funny thing happened to Mr. Sunshine, though. As they went from room to room, he got a little bit better every time he went to the next person. The pastor would, would talk to the sick person in the hospital and encourage that person and usually share a little bit of scripture and a prayer. And every single time, every time you went into a new room, that man was a little more alive, just a little more alive. And then eventually, they walked into a room, and that man sort of carried the conversation. He carried the conversation. I mean, he was really picking up. Got to the point where at one visit with the shut-in lady, Mr. Sunshine, he actually said the prayer. Said the prayer. So by the end of the day, this was a new man. An absolutely new man. They're driving back to the man's house. He was talking to the pastor and laughing and excited. He did a little bit of whistling. He whistled. Got back to the man's house. The pastor said, brother, I think we discovered something about you today. Do you notice the difference? Do you notice the difference in you for when I picked you up this morning and then you've gone through all this day serving the Lord and, and encouraging other people? Do you notice the difference in yourself? The man said, yeah, I feel fantastic. And the pastor said, well, well, what do you think that means? The man looked at the pastor and said, you don't expect me to do this every day, do you? No, that's not a joke. That's a real man. Don't expect me to, you don't expect me to do that every day, do you? No, as a matter of fact, just go home and be depressed. To be, to be just totally honest with you, congregation, uh, I've struggled this week in preaching this sermon and coming into this day because last Sunday was so amazing. Last Sunday was amazing. 
The Holy Spirit was thick in this place and worship was alive. And last Sunday night was the most beautiful worship experience of my life. Not just in this place, but in any place. And I get out and go places. I've never, ever had a worship service like last Sunday night. Do you all have any idea what the difference was? Can you put your finger on what would possibly have made last Sunday different from all the other Sundays in 150 years at Woodburn Baptist Church? What would make last Sunday so powerful? What would make us so open to the Holy Spirit? Well, if I could remind you, we all accepted a challenge. And in that week prior to Sunday, we were in the Word. If you followed the challenge to the letter, as a lot of you did, you were reading 11 chapters a day. That, that means other things in your life had to be cut out so that you could do your Bible reading. 11 chapters a day we read, and it was good. And many of us fasted a, a full day, just fasted. We, we did without food. We, we just sought the Lord and, and fasted. We, we, we did that. And many of us went on a media fast, which means we turned off the television. We turned off the, the radio in the car. We, we, we put the iPhone away. We got off of Facebook. We didn't tweet. And then look what happened on Sunday. It, it, it was like we had soaked ourselves in rocket fuel and all we needed was a spark. You understand? All we needed was that spark. And this church just exploded with the fire of the Lord. We could probably have that every Sunday. You understand what I'm telling you? We could probably have that every single Sunday, but some things would have to be true of us. Some things would have to change about us. We'd have to be in the Word like that all the time. We would have to be willing to fast and pray like that, not just once in a blue moon, and then you can be thankful that that's over and get back to your life as usual. We're talking about a way of life, a way of life where we have nothing more important in our lives and our commitment to Christ, and nothing in the world that draws our souls like our attraction to him. We're talking about having nothing in our life to which we are more fully committed than we are committed to Christ. The devastating thing is most of us are sitting here thinking, what, you expect us to do that every week? You expect us to be in the Word like that every single week? You expect me to fast? No, I don't expect you will. I don't expect you will. So we've just made an agreement to go back to church as usual. You will never set the world on fire until you make a forceful personal commitment to Christ. A, a forceful personal commitment to Christ. And let's be honest, most of us are not interested in a forceful commitment. God help us. I've come to set the world on fire, Jesus says, and, and I wish it were already burning. Again, it's a hard saying, mostly because of that last part. I, I wish it were already burning. 
because fire on the earth, again, that, that, that's violent. It, it, it's an explosive kind of power unleashed, uncontainable fire. And Jesus says, I wish it were already burning. So, so let's take this apart. What is Jesus saying? What does this even mean? Okay, the very fact that Jesus says, I wish it were already burning, says one thing to me. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. You've got to change the way you think because you don't think like Jesus thinks. The scripture says very, very clearly that Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So when Jesus says, I've come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning, he's talking about salvation. Now you and I, we get all up in the end of the world, but Jesus isn't so much talking about ending the world. He's talking about saving the world, and you need to get on board with him on that. You understand? He's about saving the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is what Jesus is doing here. So when he says, I've come to set fire to the world, I wish we were already burning, we're talking about salvation. But, but salvation happens in our lives probably in a way that you and I aren't used to thinking. So let's learn to think like Jesus thinks. Open your Bibles back to the book of Malachi. Come on, turn some pages. Malachi chapter 3. Let's go back to the way that the Old Testament prophet described the ministry of Jesus when he would come. And this will help. Malachi, it's the very, very last book in the Old Testament. Go to the book of Matthew and then a page or two. Yeah, I, I can hear the pages turning. Some of y'all are way out. Yeah. If you pass Genesis, you went too far, baby. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Malachi 3, verse 2. Who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire. He will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, a refiner's fire, the, the King James used to say. He will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. So when we talk about the fire of the Lord, when we talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit that comes down, or when Jesus says, I've come to set fire to the world, understand, it's a refiner's fire. A, a refiner is a person who works with metal. Now, now, you know that when they dig gold or silver up out of the earth, it doesn't come out, you know, with a diamond attached. You know, it, it doesn't come out, you know, and, and they say, he went to Jared. It, it doesn't work that way. When the gold and silver comes out of the earth, it's a rock. It looks like a rock, and it is a rock, and it's not pure. It's gold, it's silver ore, but it also has many, many other minerals, uh, other substances. It's a rock, and it's not pure. And if you want anything that looks like gold or silver to us, if you just want the precious part of that, you have to put it in fire. This is what a refiner's fire is. It's a person working with metal, and he takes the ore. He takes the, 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 the chunk of rock that has the precious substance inside, and he burns it. 
he burns it. Now we're talking about a, a very intense fire, and that fire burns, and it burns away with the what the Bible calls the dross. The dross. The dross is just everything that's not the metal, everything that's not silver, everything that's not gold. It's just the 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 impurities that are there in the, in the substance of the mineral, but you burn that. And the gold, the silver, it is not destroyed in fire. It'll change its, its, it, it'll change its form. It, it'll liquefy, it'll melt, but it will not be destroyed. You can't burn gold and silver, do you understand? But you can burn nearly everything else. So in that refiner's fire, that fire is, is, is blazed and turned up and, and made intense. And over time, everything that is not precious, everything that is not lasting, it just simply is destroyed. It's gone. So what you have left at the end of the blazing fire is the silver, the gold. You have left what's precious. You have left what cannot be destroyed. And Jesus says, I've come to set fire in the world. I've come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. He says, I wish it were already burning because, again, this is a refiner's fire. It's a refiner's fire. Yes, there is much that would be destroyed in the fire of God. There is much that the Holy Spirit's consuming fire will completely incinerate. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Everything that can be destroyed in the consuming fire of God, it needs to be destroyed. You understand? It is not eternal. It is not precious. It is not even good. God's consuming fire, the refining fire of Christ, it burns and it burns away everything that is not Christ in your life. It burns away everything that is not the gospel, everything that is not precious. And this is what sanctification is. When you come to Christ, that salvation is free. It has nothing to do with your works. It has nothing to do with your good record. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for you. But then that's not all. Once you come to Christ and once you are baptized in, there's this entire life of sanctification. It's a life of being put into that refining fire of the Lord. And you cannot resist that. You cannot opt out of that. This is what salvation and sanctification are. There's no other way to become like Christ. There's no other way to have him do his work in your life. You have to submit to this fire. You have to let him burn in you. And if you will not let the fire of Jesus burn clean through you, you will never set the world on fire. You can have no part of him. Because this is what happens when you come near to our God, who is a consuming fire. He will consume you and destroy everything in you that is not Christ. So that if you do not have Christ, you are condemned. You will never stand in the face of this fire. But if you have Christ, that fire of Christ will destroy all of the dross of your life. Do you understand? All of the dross, all of the accumulated garbage of your life, this is what quenches the fire of Christ in you. This is why this church isn't setting the world on fire. It's why you're not setting the world on fire. That the accumulated dross of your life, it smothers the fire that Christ would set in your heart. 
You have to let that fire burn. You have to draw near to him. And you have to surrender to the flames and just absolutely let him burn out of your heart and soul everything in you that is not Christ. A a radical commitment to Christ at the same time means a radical uncommitment to everything that is not Christ. You have to be willing to throw it in the fire. Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth, Jesus says? Verse 5, 51, I'm sorry. You think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide, Jesus. I've come to divide people against people, people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me, two against her, two in favor, three against father against son, daughter against mother, mother against daughter, in-laws against outlaws. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus says. You think I've come to bring everybody together? I'm going to divide people. That's a hard saying. I've come to divide. You know what this means, right? Jesus just says that that, that because of the gospel, because of the fact that the cross has has happened now and salvation is now an offer to every man, woman, boy, and girl, it's unavoidable. There's a line drawn now. There's a line drawn. And in just a few verses above, Jesus says, if you're not for me, you're against me. I mean, there is a line drawn, and and you're on one side or the other, and and there's no neutral territory. I I know you'd like to pull up a lawn chair in the neutral territory and hang out, but that's not even an option. You're for Christ or you're against Christ, period. You're with him or you're not with him, but you're not somewhere in between. You're not in some sort of lukewarm category that Jesus just doesn't describe here. Do you understand? There's a line drawn, and you're choosing. You've already made your choice. You're making it today. Now, the idea of family comes up here, of course, because in our minds, in the world, family is the most natural and in some cases the strongest kind of affection. I love my family. I love my parents. I love my wife. I love my son. I mean, more than my own life, I love them. And Jesus goes right to that place, to family. You think I've come to bring peace? The line that is Christ, the line that is the gospel, it may cut right through the middle of your family. And at that point, there are choices to be made. I know you love your family. I love my family, but... But I can't love my family more than I love Christ. My family can't save me. My family can't do for me what Christ does for me. Do you understand? The point here is that you can't set the world on fire. You can't be a part of what Christ is doing in the world if all the things you love most are in the world. Somebody should have said amen. You cannot. Set the world on fire. You will not set the world on fire if all the things you love most are in the world. That's why Jesus says there's there's a line drawn now. And it divides. And there's no way that you can follow Christ and not experience that division, that, that separation. Because a Forceful commitment to Christ is going to separate you from everything in the world. 
a forceful commitment to Christ is going to separate you from everything in the world. So take out the card that you were handed, the, the challenge card. I want you to write probably just a word or maybe just a phrase. My question is, what is quenching the fire of Christ in your life? What is it that you love more? What is it that you cling to? To use the prophet Malachi's language, what is the dross in your life? What is the, the garbage that you allow to, to accumulate that absolutely smothers the fire that Jesus would set in your life? You can never set the world on fire in Christ unless you let that fire of Christ burn clean through you. What's smothering it out? Is it a relationship? Is there a person in your life that's very important to you? And so therefore, you find yourself in a situation where to maintain this relationship, you continually have to choose against Christ. Then you need to understand that relationship, that relationship is in the way. You're going to have to let that person go. One way or the other. You cannot have a relationship that rivals your Allegiance to Christ? Is it a relationship? Is it just the things that the world offers? You can't set the world on fire if in your heart of hearts everything you love is in the world. So are you willing to let go of the things in the world that you just love, like popularity? Are you willing just to let that go? People may not think as well of you if, if you begin to follow Christ with your life every single day at school and, and work? Are, are you willing to let that go? Are you willing to look more like Christ and less like the world? Or are you going to let them change you? Will you let the popularity go? Will you let go of the wealth, the, the, the greed? It's beautiful the way we came in this morning and just brought in our clothes, our, our food. It's amazing that, that we could do that. It's also amazing that that's our life. That, that most of us got rid of things that we'll never, ever miss. And yet we live our lives only to accumulate more and more and more. We, we can't make enough money. We can't do enough shopping. We're never finished buying stuff, and we don't need anything. That, my friends, is an idol. It, it is going to quench the fire of Christ in our lives because we have to love him more than everything on sale at the mall. Is, 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 it, is it greed? Is it wealth? Is, is it just stuff, having stuff? Is, is it a secret sin? I, mean, I know we've all got sin in our lives, and if we started naming them, the list would go on and on and on. But, but honestly, for most of us, we, we pretty much know there's just that darling sin. There's that one sin. And, and, and if, I, if I would throw that in the fire, everything else would follow. Usually in your life, there is that one master habit, that one master sinful habit that if you would get victory over that, everything else in your life would somehow probably fall into place, but you won't let that go. You dream about it. 
You wake up in the morning and it's the first thing on your mind. And it's the last thing on your mind as you go to bed. Are you not willing to let that go because it is going to stand in the way between you and what Christ wants to do? You will not make any spiritual progress as long as you hold on to this. Are you not willing to throw it in the fire and let it go? What is that secret habit? Let it go. Let it burn. Would you write it on the back of the card? You don't have to ever let anybody see it. But why don't you put a word to it, name it. Right now, on the card, write. And then I invite you. In whatever way would work for you to throw it in the fire, maybe... At the end of this sermon, you want to come and just lay this at the altar. We're not going to track it down and, and read it. We'll burn it for you. Maybe you take it with you and you burn it yourself this afternoon. Do you understand? There are things in your life, things in my life that quench the fire of Christ. He wants to save the world. Understand, he loves the world. He loves you and me. He wants to save us. But the only way to save us is to put us through this fire. The only way to save the world, literally, is to set it on fire. But you and I will not burn for him until we make a forceful commitment to him. Until we let that fire burn clean through our lives. And until all the things that we love most are not still in the world. You live in the world every day, so do I. All the powers that be are aligned to change us, to make us more like the world. And to become like the world and then to die is to die twice. We're not supposed to let the world change us. We're supposed to change the world. And the only way to change the world is to set it on Set it on fire. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, help us. We would welcome a fire that would warm us, but we resist a fire that would burn us. We like a fire that gives us light in darkness, we do not enjoy a fire that lights up the darkest parts of us. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would send your fire. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would send your fire into the world, that you would hurl your fire into the earth so that everything that is wrong with the world can be incinerated and so that everything that you want to do in the world can be established. Oh, Lord Jesus, set fire to the world and let it begin in this church. Burn clean through this church, Lord Jesus, and burn clean through our lives. Lord Jesus, we simply do not walk into the fire that you set in the world because we still love the world so much. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll draw that line today and that we would be willing to step across that line called commitment. Cause our church, Lord, to make a forceful commitment to you. Cause us as individuals, Lord Jesus, to throw into the fire everything in our hearts that is not Christ. 
Make us to burn for you, Lord Jesus. Make this church to burn for you. And let the fire that starts here spread to consume the whole world. Set the world on fire, Lord Jesus, that the world through you might be saved. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the consuming fire. We pray this for our sakes and for the sake of the church. We pray for the sake of the world. Amen.